Our scripture reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, whom, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. I want to take just a minute and greet you. My name is Derek. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, this morning we've got a good friend, uh, Sebastian Dorch, coming to uh, bring uh, the word to us. So I'm going to pray this morning, and then uh, we're going to welcome our, our dear friend, Sebastian. So let's pray. Father, thanks for the opportunity to gather as your church and to uh, worship you and to be united because of our one faith uh, in our one Lord and the fact that you have uh, given yourself to make us beautiful and renewed and to give us your righteousness uh, that we might live uh, lives glorifying to God. I pray today that the love of Jesus would just, just be so apparent and rich uh, and powerful in our midst. Uh, that you would renew us and heal us and strengthen us uh, by the power of the Spirit. Thank you this morning for our dear brother Sebastian. Uh, give us ears to hear uh, this morning, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please give our brother Sebastian a good welcome. How's everyone doing? All right. Well, it's, uh, it's an honor to be back here at uh, Stonehouse. Um, um, I kind of got this from my wife. Whenever I uh, teach, she um, would ask me, well, what, what's going to be your point? You know, what point are you going to try to make? And the fact that she would frequently ask me that suggests to me that maybe I had problems making a point. So, <laughs> so uh, here's the point that I'm uh, going to try to make, and it's, it's this, that uh, God has provided each of you, if you're born-again believers, God has provided each of you unlimited power and unlimited love to overcome anything and everything that you're going to face and that you're facing today. Now, let me put some asterisks around that. I'm not saying that God is going to change whatever you're facing because there are some things that he purposely leaves in your life as a tool to help you look more like Jesus Christ. You can read the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and we like the first half where people through faith overcame tremendous obstacles. But in the second half of Hebrews 11, it's clear that some people got their heads lopped off. And here's a beautiful thing. 
that even when we lose, in the eyes of the world, our heads get lopped off, we go home to be with Jesus. So we can't lose. We are so loved by God. And so my hope is to encourage your hearts. I look at you, I've been around a half a century, I'm like, you guys are young people. My gosh, man, and I'm just, you're going to church, right? You want to hear the gospel. So that my heart is excited. And God's even more excited over what he's doing in your life. So I'm going to be working out of uh, the English Standard Version. Let me pray real quick for me. Lord, I am a broken, ridiculous vessel. But do I ever believe that Christ lives within me? I pray that your hand will be heavy on me in this message, and I pray that you will speak through me and encourage all of our hearts. Let us know how much we are loved and how much you've provided for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so starting in verse 4, 14 of chapter 3, Paul says, for this reason, let's stop right there, for this reason, for what reason? Well, if you look at chapter 3, starting in verse 1, Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, and if you're in the ESV, there's a dash there, and Paul goes on this huge gospel sidetrack. And so in verse 14, he's just like, oh, 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 I forgot the point I was trying to make. So here, in, chapter, uh, uh, in, in verse 1 of chapter 3, he's, he's saying for this reason, so what are some of the things that came before that? So if you look at chapter 2, he's making this incredible point that if you were a non-believer, you were enslaved by the devil, your flesh, and the world system. It had you in bondage. But in verse 4, He comes in and he says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. God overcame a tremendous obstacle, us being dead to him, and he made us alive to him through the person and work of Jesus Christ. That's a remarkable thing. Then it goes on, starting in verse 11, he talks about a wall of hostility that was between Jewish believers and Gentile believers. There was a long-standing level of hostility between the two groups. As a matter of fact, if you go in the Old Testament where the temple was built, and in the New Testament, when you're looking, working through the Gospels, the temple was built, and there were the outer courts of the Gentiles. They weren't even allowed to go in deep into the inner sanctum of the temple. Of the temple. And it was in the outer courts that Jesus overturned the tables because scamsters... We're trying to cloud up and make it difficult for Gentile believers to learn about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jesus was having none of it. He was upset. But here, he took something that was impossible, division between groups. And that's, that, that's meaningful to me because we, have, we, we live in such a divided land, Republicans and Democrats, conservative, progressives, blacks and whites, rich and poor, division everywhere. 
And this was a hostile division. But he says right here in verse 14 of chapter 2, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one, two diametrically opposed groups. He has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And to show that he has no favorites, in verse 18 he says, for through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So he's like, look at what Jesus has done. Look at what Jesus has done. And then he goes on in chapter 3, and he starts talking about, hey, I am here. Verse 8 of chapter 3, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. He's like, I can't believe this assignment that God's given me. I get to preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ to a group that used to be on the outside. I get to invite them on the inside to be members of God's family. And so he is humbled by all that, and in verse 14, he says, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. I am humbled. I can't believe that he is my father. It is a personal relationship. I bow my knees before the father, verse 15, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. He's saying God is a God that I don't care if it's all the angelic host in heaven or anybody who ever walked the earth, it originated with God. My wife and I have a tradition when we pick up cars, when we buy a car. You think about a car and it's there in a lot by itself alone. And uh, a few years ago, I bought a Kia Soul, a car that I'm six foot, almost six foot three, 214 pounds. People call it a clown car when I get out of it. They're like, how in the world does he even fit in it? But I, think, I call it my whip. It is a good looking car. And because I love this car, I gave it a name. It is Ava. My vehicle, Ava. And then we recently bought a uh, Toyota Highlander so that Sybil could look good as she carted the kids up to school. And this Toyota, it's green. I told them, hey, I need tinted windows. They hooked me up. And, and, and that, we named that car Sophia. Sophia. But Sophia replaced a 2002 Toyota Sequoia that we had with a quarter of a million miles on it. My children didn't even want to be in it. My second daughter called it a death trap because it would rattle. And the name of that car was Ethel. Think about it. So for God the Father to say, hey, I'm the one that names you, he is saying that when it comes to ownership, you start with me. So here Paul is saying, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family, every family, every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, you can substitute magnificence, Glory is God's godness. 
anything that amazes you about God and the things that you don't even recognize that are from God. If you walk into your home and you see that little lizard, if you walk into your home and you see a butterfly, those two things, an insect and an animal, from God, named by God, controlled by God, the number of days that it will be on earth, God is behind it. Your beating heart, God is causing it to beat. The, the air in your lungs, the byproduct of his grace, his love to you. God's gotten is his glory. So he's saying, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory. I'm praying that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's like, what I'm about to break down to you, I am praying that God strengthens you so that you can handle it. I'm praying that God will strengthen you so that you can receive this truth, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Well, what's he about to lay down? Next verse. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Faith. Now that is intriguing to me. Here's Paul saying, you know, I'm praying that God strengthens you so that you can handle this truth. Well, what is the truth? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now that's a bit of a paradox. Because in the beginning of, of, of Ephesians 1, verse 1, he says, hey, I'm writing to the saints at Ephesus. He's writing to believers. And to be a believer simply means I'm joined to Christ. Christ is in me and I'm in him. So why in the world would he say, I'm, 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 I'm praying that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Sebastian, isn't that already going on? Doesn't he already dwell in my heart? So when you look up the, the word dwell in the Greek, you get a fuller sense of what Paul is trying to say here. So I looked it up, and let me give you a, two, two terrific examples of what he's trying to get across to us as believers with the word dwell. The first one, let's go to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. And we're going to start at verse 24. Luke 11, verse 24, and it says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and, same word, dwell there. And the last state of the person is worse than the first. The word dwell means to pervade, to control, 
to be the animating force. And so here in this example, this person already had a problem filled with an unclean spirit, now filled with eight unclean spirits, and his condition is completely controlled by those spirits, and he's in a worse condition than he was originally in. So Paul is saying here, hey, I'm praying that Christ will be so rooted in your life that he will be the driving and animated force. He will be the anchor. The other extreme is Colossians chapter 1, verse 19, where in that verse, Paul says, hey, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him, in Christ. All, when he walked the earth, all the fullness of God was in Christ. And guess what? It wasn't just a vocal thing. It manifested, God's presence manifested itself in the life of Jesus. It was Jesus who touched a leper that other people would not touch. It's Jesus who talked to the Samaritan woman when uh, Judaism said you should not be talking to a Samaritan woman. It was Jesus who was sitting down at a meal and, and, and the Pharisees and scribes were gathered around him and a woman of the streets came in and they were like, don't you know who that is? And she anointed his feet. It was Jesus who forgave the likes of you and I. He pressed into us in our madness, in our deadness, and he awakened us. It was Jesus who did this. All of God was in Jesus. God was the animating force in the life of this man. And so Paul is saying, I pray that God strengthens you so that Christ can dwell in your hearts. Let's go back to our text. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts, the heart is mission control for the believer. It is, as Tim Keller says, it is the intersection of the mind, will, and emotions. The heart is basically what allows us to be who we are today. When you fell in love, your heart was captured by another. So Paul is saying here, I pray that Christ pervades and controls and, and directs your life, and I pray that he captures your heart, that he becomes everything to you. But I pray that it happens by faith. Now, why is that important? Because we are people who live by feelings. It is easy for us to go around and say, I just don't feel the presence of Christ in me. You're looking for some warm, fuzzy thing, some ephemeral gas to descend on you. Okay, I'm going to go out as a plumber and the, the anointing fell down on me and I can go through. No, it is by faith. You have to have a level of conviction that God rescued me from the dead. He saved me. He invaded my life. And I have to believe by faith 
that Christ is in me and he's captured my heart and there and it's different from the from the faith that happened when i became born again i'm dead and god by his grace gives me faith and he gives me repentance but no after that faith is handed to it to us we are the ones that have to exercise it so what are some practical ways that we can do that there are tapes that play in all of our heads like you're not good enough, you're not grand enough. There are tapes that play in our heads that, that, that lies that say, hey, your significance, your security, your sense of worth should come from things outside the person and work of Jesus Christ. Those are lies. And we have to tell ourselves, I have everything because Christ has me and Christ is in me. And so by faith, I stand on this truth. Not by feeling by faith. And as you begin to roll that way, the normal adversity that is handed to you doesn't rock you to the same degree because you know that you are loved and all is well. He will never leave you nor forsake you. A God that would go as far as to sacrifice his son to make you his son, to make you his daughter is not going to abandon you now. He has you. He has this church. Don't get caught up. Oh my gosh, we were downtown St. Pete. That was Mecca. And now we're back at the, the police athletic club. Oh my gosh. that's. A... Do you think God's sweating that? Do you think the concept of church is tied to a postal address? Church is Christ being in you and you being so wowed by that love that in response you love each other. Christianity is I believe that I finally, a man, a woman who was wandering, enslaved to my flesh, to the devil, to this world system, now me, the creature, is now connected to the creator. And everything I do is ministry. Where I recreate, the family that I'm in, the people that are in my life, my boss who's difficult, my boss who is good. Whatever comes into my life is a gift from God, even if I don't fully understand it or appreciate it. He would not have deposited Jesus within me unless he knew I love you and I'm going to take care of you. He has you, Stonehouse. He has you, Derek, Rachel. He has you guys. Jason, he has you guys. Christ is in you. So that Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, I love that, being rooted and grounded in love. It gets hot in Florida. We've got some palms in front of our house. 
And because of the root system, no matter how hot it it is outside, that palm tree continues to live because its roots go into the earth where it pulls up water. Because of the root system, when the storms blow, the, the tree may bend, but it doesn't topple over. Adversity will blow your way. Hard times will come your way. But are you rooted and grounded in the love of God? And if not, here's the beautiful thing. Paul is saying, hey, church at Ephesus, it's common for us to lose sight of these things. That's why I'm praying that God will reveal this. So don't beat yourself up and say, I'm such a spiritual misfit. I'm hearing him preach, and I don't even feel this way. He's praying this prayer. He's like, I'm bowing before the Father, and I'm praying that God will open up your eyes so you can comprehend these things. So just pray these things into your own life. Lord, reveal to me that I am rooted and grounded in love. And as he begins to reveal it, you're going to be like, what? well, wait a minute. For me to be rooted and grounded in love, I've got to pull up my root system, which was rooted and grounded in things that don't have anything to do with Jesus Christ. And no wonder I am a wreck because I was pulling what I thought were nutrients, but it was poison. That you being rooted and grounded in love, check this out, verse 18, that you may have the strength to comprehend. He's like, this, this, what I'm laying down is so heavy that I have to pray that you even have the ability to comprehend what I'm laying down here. That you will have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, so that includes all of us in this basketball court, the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. Jesus is so big that we cannot exhaust him. Our Jesus is so small, the one we carry around in our head. And I know it's small, I know that token Jesus is small based on how whacked out I can get during the week. Where I should have peace, I don't have peace. The things that I should say, hey, all things are from God's hand and he loves me, I I allow it to get me all discombobulated because I, my anchor, my root system is somewhere it shouldn't be. Pray, God, help me to comprehend how big your son is, God. Open up, Lord, as a matter of fact, help me to see Jesus as you see Jesus. Jesus, help me to see you as you see yourself. Not as I've manufactured him to be. Let me see you clearly. That's the Jesus that I want to worship. Not the one that I've manufactured in my mind. I'm praying, verse 18, that he have the strength to comprehend 
with all the saints, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, verse 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. He's saying, I am praying that you will know the unknowable. His love is so big that I'm praying that he reveals it to you. But I'm telling you right now, you will not fully get your mind around it on this side of death. We will not fully understand how much we are loved until we are in his presence. Because right now, we look through a glass dimly, but when we see him face to face, then it's going to all make sense. I think I said this the last time I was here. I would go to the book of Revelation and I would see where it just says in the elders, they tossed down their crowns and they were just worshiping around the throne, worshiping, worshiping. And I was like, surely there's other things they're going to be doing, right? Man, I mean, we're, I, we're the cool missions, man. Just worship? What? I don't, it, it bothered me. But then I was like, okay, the reason it bothers me is because I'm, I'm viewing it through my limited understanding right now. Because when I know him as I am known, my heart is going to be so amazed that he saved the likes of me. And worshiping him and thanking him will be the most natural thing. I will be amazed at the patience that he exhibited towards me. Where Jesus said in the Gospels, he's like, my peace I give unto you so that your joy, no, my joy I give unto you so that your joy may be complete. And I'm like, Jesus, I was not a particularly joy-filled Christian. As a matter of fact, if I was on video and it was simulcast, like the, what, uh, who got married yesterday? Whoever got married yesterday, Right? And people are saying, okay, wow, so that's Christianity, how Sebastian's flowing. Yeah, let me research something else. I see no joy in that. I see uh, anger, anxiety, selfishness, things aren't going my way, I deserve better, and all this ridiculous chaos. And here I am, he's giving me the greatest gift on earth, a relationship with himself, and I'm not satisfied with that. Because I want things my way. And frustration is just simply us saying, it's not going my way. And God, I'm convinced I know better than you. So I am unaccepting of these circumstances. They trouble me. I should be married by now. I should have a better job by now. I can't believe this clown got a promotion over me. We can go down a long list. I'm tired of my car. I'm tired of this person. I'm all these things, complain, mully grubbing, blah, blah. And we are not settled on the fact that we are loved by God, the recipients of his grace, that he pulled us out 
in Colossians, it said he transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And our hearts don't rejoice. So if you're like me, and sometimes you lose your way, two things I offer. Repentance. Go to God and say, I'm amazed you haven't killed me. Thank you. Thank you that your wrath was satisfied on the cross. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Now you got to rewire me. You got you to take these old tapes out. You got to help me to comprehend what you've done for me. Help me to see you as you see yourself. God is the happiest God. It says in, in Psalm 115, our God is in heaven and he does all that he pleases. So he is the one who gets everything that he wants. So he's utterly happy. And unlike us, the reason he doesn't corrupt is because he has absolute pure motives. There is no sin in him. And if you and I got everything that we want, how do you think you'd be? We'd be shipwrecked. So God in his love for you places within you weakness as an invitation to press into his grace. And he puts wonderful strengths in you to display his glory. And those two things, profound weakness coupled with profound grace, allows you to live a credible Christian life. Because when you go to that broken executive or that prostitute, you can say, I don't come to you in a spirit of judgment as if I'm better than you. I'm coming to you as a broken person who has had an encounter with the living God. There is no difference between you and me. I'm trying to point you to Jesus. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Well, why would I want that? That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants to completely fill you with all of him through Jesus Christ. And he's intent on accomplishing that. So the pain in your life is him taking stuff away from you so that he can fill that empty space with Jesus and you can be satisfied with that. Does this make sense? So he gets through this prayer and then he busts out into this doxology where he's literally celebrating God. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God is able. Notice what I said. God is able. You are not able. You're not able. God is able to do more than anything than you, that, that you can ask or think. So that means your porn addiction can't stand against the power of God. That means your angry spirit 
your bitterness, your envious ways, your drug addiction, your lust for things that are outside the will of God, it can't stand against the power of God. If you're going to God and saying, I want to look like you, and you are the God who are able to do above and beyond anything that I ask and think, and you stand by faith that the fixer, Jesus Christ, is in you, it's going to fall. It's going to fall. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. I sold it short a minute ago. I just said more abundantly. It's far more abundantly. Now, who is him, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And that power is not your willpower. It is the power of Christ who lives in you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, we all, that, uh, than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church. The church should be a reflection of his glory, friends. If Stonehouse never grows beyond this right here, this church should be a reflection of his glory. So then when people come in, they experience such warmth. And you can point them to Jesus Christ. And you can help them find deliverance in the very place that you found deliverance. And that will be a powerful, righteous work. God does not need mega churches. He knows what he's doing. And there's some people who will not step foot in a megachurch, but they'll come in a place like this because it feels safe. So rejoice at the size of this church. Rejoice that you get to participate in this mighty work. Rejoice that God would place his son within you. Rejoice. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. So that would include this one. So that would include this moment forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, in our hearts, we bow our knees before you. We pray that you will grant us to be strengthened with power through your spirit and in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith so that we will truly be a people that are rooted and grounded in love. And God, give us the ability the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ, God. Please help us to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.